Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On the morning of May 7th, 1694... Henry Every, an experienced navigator and first mate to Captain Gibson, sat at a table with several sailors aboard the ship Charles II. They were moored in the Spanish harbor of Corona, on the coast of Galicia. The Charles II was part of a small fleet of English ships that had been hired out to the Spanish for a mission against the French in the Caribbean. The men had been waiting for weeks for an official document from Madrid, that would allow them to raise anchor. But despite promises made when they left London, they hadn't been paid for several months. A few days earlier, squadron leader Admiral Oburn had once again refused to pay his sailors, probably fearing they would desert as soon as they were paid. But for Henry Every and 20 other seamen, the situation had gone on long enough. They decided to mutiny. Every had spent the past few days going from boat to boat, quietly trying to put together a plan. That day, the Admiral was ashore, and Captain Gibson, who commanded the Charles II, was asleep in his cabin, drunk. In the late afternoon, Every and the men he had convinced to join him took the helm of the ship. After giving the signal, they cast off and left the Spanish coast behind. The guards on land had no time to react. All they could do was watch the sails as they disappeared over the horizon. After sailing for a few hours, Every went to Captain Gibson's cabin. He gave him two choices. Join him and the other brave men seeking their fortune, or take the little rowboat back to dry land. The captain chose to flee, along with a few other sailors. After a vote on the main deck, Henry Every was elected captain. His charisma had convinced the rest of the crew to put him in command. At 40 years old, the seafarer embraced the life of a pirate. To celebrate the release of the new Skull and Bones video game, Discover the stories of some of the most infamous pirates of the Indian Ocean. The cruel, bloodthirsty privateers, buccaneers, and sailors turned criminals terrorized and pillaged the seas. Pirates were not born. They were made. I'm Michelle Rodriguez, and you're listening to Gangsters of the Seas. Henry Every was likely born on August 20th, 1659, in the small village of Newton Ferrers in southwest England. Legend has it his father, an officer of the Royal Navy, 
introduced him to the sea. And quickly, he developed a taste for it. He also joined the Royal Navy. In the late 1680s, he was a midshipman aboard a 64-gun warship. Every quickly stood out from the crowd. When his commander was transferred to the HMS Albemarle, a larger 90-gun ship, he invited Every to join him. Together, they fought the French and helped capture the convoy from Brest, their port city in northwestern France. On August 29, 1690, Henry Every left the Royal Navy, but he didn't give up the sea. In Bermuda, he met the local governor who convinced him to get involved in the slave trade. As a result, he traveled to the Guinea coast, transporting hundreds of Africans to the West Indies. He gained a reputation as a vicious slave trader, robbing competing ships. In 1693, Henry Every was recalled to the Navy to join an Anglo-Spanish mission aboard the Charles II. This 46-gun, three-masted frigate was part of a squadron of four ships commanded by Admiral Oberne. The fleet's mission was to travel to the Caribbean to provide Spanish ships with supplies and sink any French ships they encountered. Henry Every was promoted to first mate but he was mainly motivated by the promise of a handsome salary. The fleet left London in August 1693, but before heading to the Caribbean, it had to go to Karuna on the Galician coast. The mission got off to a bad start. The journey should have taken two weeks, but it took the Charles II and three other ships five months in all. No one really knows why they were delayed, But one thing is certain. The sailors were already on edge. They still hadn't received any of their wages, and they were starting to lose patience. The rest is history. Henry Every led a crew of mutineers and set sail aboard the Charles II. After cutting Captain Gibson loose off the coast of Africa, Henry Every gathered the crew and shared his plan with them. Originally, the plan had been to set sail to the West Indies, but he suggested the Indian Ocean instead. Ships on those maritime routes had holds bursting with immense treasures, spices, valuable fabrics, precious metals and gemstones. He then told them the legend of Thomas II, an English pirate, said to have seized an enormous haul of treasure in that region a year earlier. If they wanted to get rich, that's where they should go. Described by everyone as ruthless and incredibly charismatic, Every didn't need to say any more. His men were ready to follow him. The Charles II was renamed The Fancy and the pirate crew headed for the Cape of Good Hope. On the journey south, the Fancy pillaged five ships, enabling her to stock up plenty of provisions, ammunition, and take on new men. She now had a crew of 95. The ship rounded the Cape of Good Hope in early 1695. After stopping in Madagascar, a necessary stop for any good pirate, 
Henry Every dropped anchor off the coast of Anjouan Island in the Comoros. He had recruited 50 French pirates, all ready to follow him in his quest. Captain Every wanted to go to the Red Sea. His plan was simple to intercept the ships transporting pilgrims from Mecca with holds bursting with goods. But before setting out, the pirate captain gave a warning to the English ship commanders in the Indian Ocean. If an English ship crossed paths with the fancy's red flag, with its black skull and crossbones, they should raise an English flag and allow the pirates to inspect their holds. This would ensure that they would be allowed to go free, unharmed. This was patriotic, but not completely a selfless act. Every hoped it would save his skin once he was done with the pirate life. In the spring of 1695, the Fancy raised anchor and left the Comoros archipelago. Did you ever cross Rahma? Oh no, it was oh no. Did you ever cross Rahma? She sailed north towards the Bab el-Mandeb Strait at the entrance to the Red Sea, where present-day Yemen faces the Horn of Africa. Every knew that if he was patient, he would cross paths with ships belonging to the Mughal Empire that were guaranteed to hold great treasures. The Mughal Empire was a major and wealthy power, even richer than the Ottoman Empire, the other power of the Muslim world. Its territory extended from Afghanistan to Bangladesh. The Mughals were wealthy merchants who spread their flamboyant culture around the world. Their wealth was symbolized by the magnificent Taj Mahal, which was finished 40 years earlier. The empire was ruled by the Grand Mughal, who was one of the richest men on the planet. So it seems Henry Every had no shortage of ambition. But his real gift was his ability to inspire all those he met to join him. To such an extent that when he encountered other pirate ships in the Bab el-Mandeb Strait, he convinced them to join his venture too. Before he arrived at his destination, he had already relied on two other ships to his cause. Once he arrived, three other pirate ships joined them. One of them was even captained by Thomas II, the famous pirate Every had told his men about off the coast of Karuna. The insatiable Henry Every now led a bona fide squadron of pirate ships. In the late summer of 1695, the six ships with hundreds of men on board moored near Param, a small island off the coast of Yemen. They hid patiently awaiting their prey. Every had gotten wind that a convoy of Mughal ships had left Jeddah a few weeks earlier. Pilgrims leaving Mecca had to pass through this large port on the Arabian Peninsula. The convoy was made up of dozens of boats headed for Surat, an important trading post in northern India. But time passed, and they still hadn't spotted any sails. 
Henry Avery learned from his informers that a convoy had slipped through their fingers, sailing at night to escape the pirates. The captain immediately sounded the charge. The pirate squadron gave chase. The Fancy was the largest and quickest of the six ships. She headed for the Mughal convoy with all her sails set, while the other pirate ships tried their best to keep up. On September 8th, after four days of sailing, Henry Every faced the stern of the Fateh Muhammad, a merchant ship without cannons belonging to a wealthy Surat merchant. The Fateh Muhammad's crew tried to fight back, but couldn't defend themselves for long. The loot discovered in the holds was sizable, 60,000 pounds in gold coins, the equivalent of $12 million today. Despite this score, Captain Every didn't stop there. He rallied his men and set sail for the Mughal convoy, which now had a significant lead. But it took Every just two days to catch up to the first of the Mughal ships. And the vessel he saw before him was a promising prospect. He recognized the sail of the Ganji Sawai, which means exceeding treasure. But it was much harder for the pirates to take this ship. She was a far cry from the unarmed ship they had just taken, where men put up little resistance. She was a 64-gun, 165-foot-long military ship manned by 400 musket-armed soldiers determined to defend the ship's precious cargo and hundreds of passengers. One passenger was particularly important, the daughter of the Mughal emperor. She and her court were returning from Mecca, and the riches she transported made her an incredibly lucrative target for the rampaging pirates. Captain Every wasn't intimidated and decided to launch an attack. He positioned the pirate boats at the front and the back of the Ganji Sawai to avoid cannon fire. Their position ensured that his men hit their mark. One of the pirates' cannons even managed to hit the main mast of the Mughal ship, causing extensive damage. The mast collapsed onto the deck with a deafening crash, killing dozens of sailors. A few minutes later, a cannon exploded aboard the Indian ship, leaving a gaping hole in the hull. It was a final blow that enabled the pirates to throw their grappling hooks and haul themselves aboard. A fierce battle ensued. The Mughal soldiers caused a lot of damage with their muskets, killing dozens of pirates. Swords clanged, arms were cut off, and several heads fell to the floor, rolling on the deck. After two hours of heavy fighting, Every's men won the battle. The Mughals were defeated, and the captain was able to walk off with one of the greatest hauls ever stolen by a pirate. Some historians estimate that the loot was worth over 600,000 pounds at a time, the equivalent of more than $120 million today. Each pirate received about 1,000 pounds, more than a sailor made in his entire career, and several handfuls of gemstones. But by attacking the Ganji Zawai with the Grand Mughal's daughter on board, the pirate captain had angered the emperor. And the emperor became even angrier when the terrible tales of rape and violence against women on board reached him. 
Henry Every also put England in a rather delicate position. After this attack, the Mughal emperor imposed sanctions. 65 employees of the East India Company stationed at Surat Trading Post were imprisoned for over a year. The emperor threatened to attack the town of Bombay, present-day Mumbai, which was under British control. Worse still, trade with the empire was on the brink of collapse. With a single attack, Captain Every had managed to disrupt the geopolitical balance of the entire region. Wanting to preserve their trade links with the Mughal Empire at all cost, the English also imposed a strong sanction on Every. In July of 1696, the pirate was declared Ostis Humani Generis, or Enemy of the Human Race. They issued a 500-pound bounty on his head, which was doubled by the East India Company. The English government also promised the Grand Mughal that Every would never be pardoned unlike many other pirates. A manhunt began across the oceans, and Henry Every knew it. He was wise and decided to put an end to his career. In just two years, he had become a legend. Better still, he had become the king of the pirates. In spring of 1696, Every, now going by the name of Benjamin Bridgman, stopped in Réunion Island, where he sold some of his loot and let the French and Danish sailors and his crew go. He also bought 90 African slaves, who he decided to take with him across the Atlantic Ocean to the Caribbean. Every arrived at the end of 1696. The fancy moored by the small island of St. Thomas, which was under Danish control in the West Indies. He sold a large portion of his loot before setting sail for the Bahamas. He knew there was a corrupt governor who might let him stay despite the bounty on his head. In exchange for his silence, Every promised the governor a thousand pounds, more than three times his annual salary, as well as weapons, ammunition, and several tons of ivory. He also offered him the fancy. But the pirates got bored after a few months. The island had few people, and there weren't enough shops for them to spend their fortune. Fate pushed them to flee yet again. The governor was under pressure and ended up informing the English authorities that Every was on his island. In a final twist, he warned the pirate captain that the Royal Navy was coming. That's when the paths of the sailors diverged. Henry Every decided to return to England. With a dozen men, he set sail aboard a ship that was small enough to slip away unnoticed. This is where his trace was lost. Some say he managed to return to his village near Plymouth, where he lived a quiet life. Others say he ended up poor, begging on the streets of London. Just 34 of the pirates who were part of Henry Every's expedition were arrested. Most were reckless openly reselling large quantities of gemstones and Indian gold coins. Six ended up hanged in the public square. And as for the king of the pirates, he simply vanished into thin air. I'm Michelle Rodriguez, and this has been an Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media. Thanks for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 